What is up, YouTube? Welcome in to another edition of Texas Sports Unfiltered. And joining me today, the one, the only, Cabin Dune, a.k.a. KD, a.k.a. Kevin Dunn. KD, what's going on, brother? Thanks again for hopping on. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. I'm glad to be on. I know Trey is living Trey's life, floating around the world, staying in five-star places. And where, where's he at? Breckenridge? Breckenridge, yeah. I think he's uh, on his way back to real yeah. life in Cedar Park. So, uh, yeah, yeah the, uh, the luxury lifestyle is going away, at least for a little bit, for Trey. Yeah, and nothing will hit you like real life than coming back from 73 to 106, 107. Oh, is that what it is right now up there? Sure. I mean, yeah, around there, you know, it's just been sitting there for 40 straight days, it feels like. Um, I, I don't know how anyone who did two days with high school football back in the day, I don't I have no idea how any of us survived, especially all of us that weren't great athletes. You know? <laughs> oh, no kidding. Man, I forgot about that, and I do not miss doing – any sort of physical activity outside in the middle of the summer. Yeah. And it was always, I, we were, I was at a weird stage where we had gotten over like water breaks are for pussies, but I mean, it wasn't that era, but it was still kind of, if you played well, you got more water breaks and it was always that white, <laughs> that white tube, you know, and they would drill holes in it yep. and then put a garden hose to it. And you could taste the, the fertilizer. And it was still the best tasting drink I've ever had in my life. You could give me like a $2,000 bottle of wine. Not that I could tell the difference between that, like a $50 bottle of wine. But yeah. the best thing I've ever tasted in my life is being that thirsty and that dehydrated. And like, I don't care what's in, in this water. I really don't care. I just need water. Was uh, was Tom Herman your coach back in the day? Remember he had that bit where the players who lost had yeah. to eat runny eggs and soggy bacon and couldn't drink normal water and all that? Remember that deal? Yeah, it was one of the things I really liked about Tom Herman. <laughs> sure it was. Uh, one of the many things that we all really liked about Tom Herman. Hey, do you, uh, you I'm good. I'm good. You notice a difference with uh, your screen in front of you today versus the last time you were on? Oh, Kevin Dunn, 909, baby. You're I will get time. active in that a little bit with this and other stuff, but clearly with my egg-shaped head and no post, I've not done much with it yet. <laughs> what did you throw it on there? I've just been stalking. That's it. There you go. Hey, you and me both. Wanted, yeah. to, uh, wanted to throw that on there. If you want to follow Kevin, of course, follow him on Twitter at KevinDunn01. Follow his Instagram. Yes, KD on the gram at Kevin Dunn 909. You see that link at the top of the screen. But I'm good, brother. Things are well in my world, and I think things are going well if you're a Texas football fan because of the big commitment the Longhorns were able to get yesterday. Five-star edge rusher Colin Simmons from Duncanville High School up in the Metroplex. He committed to Texas over LSU, over Miami. Hell, really over everybody in the country, but those were the uh, other finalists along with the Longhorns. The number one edge rusher in the class, the number one player in the state of Texas, KD, a big-time get on the recruiting front for Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, I don't know where you're at on this, but, like, I mean, I, I don't follow football recruiting as closely as I used to. I still follow it because I understand how important it is. Um, but I think being a Texas fan, and I was so into it as a kid, and there was limited stuff to really pick from resources to find out what's going on. I used to call the Suzanne Halliburton number, the Austin American Statesman number. 
every single night before I went to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, first thing I did was call that. It was a recorded message. And Suzanne did a great job. But she would give you updates. And they may not change for three days. So you'd call in here right away. Oh, it's the same deal. You know, and then call back <laughs> like an hour later, hoping something had changed. So I was really into it. I think being a Texas fan, I saw so many guys we got that were five stars that were not developed that it turns into one of those, you know, yeah, we got good ingredients, but the meal sucked. So who cares about the ingredients? Mom brings home, right? Yeah. Um, or dad. Sorry about that. There you go. Uh, yeah. But it, but I, it's kind of cool now to where I, I feel like they're actually, for the first time in a long time, developing players. This is going to be such a huge year for to keep the Colin Simmons and to keep all these guys still coming here to show that, yeah, these sophomores we have now, they're big time recruits. They are getting better. Yeah, that's well said. And I think it's kind of threefold to make sure that Colin Simmons maintains his commitment and ultimately puts pen to paper on signing day. Number one, Texas has to keep recruiting this guy. I mean, yeah. I heard some rumblings behind the scenes, KD, that none of the three coaching staffs, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, Brian Kelly at LSU, Mario Cristobal at Miami, it sounds like none of those guys had any idea what the announcement was going to be yesterday. So, you know, some guys will let not every staff Texas. know. Not even Texas. No. Wow. Some guys will let every staff know, like, hey, I'm committing here. Yeah. I'll tell the school, and the school is pumped. They'll also call the other coaches and be like, hey, I appreciate you guys recruiting me, but I've decided to go elsewhere. But apparently the decision of Colin Simmons was as big of a surprise to the Texas coaching staff as it was to this entire fan base as well. So that type of guy, you got to keep recruiting him. You got to stay on him. You can't just assume because he gave you that verbal commitment and put on your hat at his gym. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is uh, going to be loyal throughout this entire process. No, you're right. Hold on. I'm tweeting him right now. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? That's not a very classy move. All right. So I'm going to go hey. ahead and tweet him. And oh, no, no, wait a minute. I would never tweet him or tweet about any recruit. Like I do, I do get a kick out of like any time these things go down. And it's obviously usually the fan base of where the kid doesn't go. But even if he does go there, like some of the back and forth, and then I'll hit the bio. And it's like, you know, super religious guy, co-founder of a company that gives back to the community, proud dad, husband of two little girls who I love, and a son, Buster, who's awesome. And then dot, 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 just trying to people, treat people the way I want to be treated. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> you just tweeted at a 17-year-old for picking a school and like went off, you know? Yeah, you just gave a death threat to a kid because he picked right. a college different from the one that you went to. And you were claiming to be this upstanding, great citizen. Yeah, it's uh, it's a joke, man. Like, I get it. A lot of these recruits want attention. And that's yeah, fine if do. you want to give them attention. You want to like their tweets. You want to reply. You want to get into conversations with them. That's cool. To me, that's all kosher. I'm not the don't tweet at recruits or recruits guy. No, you could tweet at recruits. But if a recruit makes a decision that you don't like, don't be doing what you just talked about. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I am the don't tweet at recruits guy. Yeah, I don't ever do it myself, but like I, I don't get mad at people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it's it's weird, man. We're talking about like 16 and 17 year old boys. And, yeah. you know, you got just 40, 50, 60 year old people like their whole happiness is dependent on what these guys do. And that's fine. If you follow recruiting, of course, you should follow <laughs> recruiting and you should support your school. This is not an argument against any of that. But right. yeah, don't, don't be uh, 
Don't be sending threats to people just because they didn't pick the college you wanted them to go to. That's a joke. With that said, I did go on uh, last night and looked at some Simmons stuff, and I'd seen him already at Duncanville, so and I'd seen him a little bit. But, man, I mean, like, he's got natural bend. Like, when he dips his shoulder coming off the edge, some, I mean, you can teach some of that stuff, and he's going to be taught a lot, but he's got a, a serious burst, love the bend, um, plays the ball really well. I mean, how many tip passes do you see in his 10, 15 minute highlight reel? And then I'm like, okay, well, so he had his hand down half the time, maybe not half the time, close to that. Just shooting straight Lawrence Taylor style, like I'm coming in the other times. And but he actually worked inside a little bit. So then when they work on the repertoire and they get his body, which is already great, but get it to a college level. I mean, this looks like a huge pickup for Texas. Yeah, and I've got a number for you in regards to that batted passes comment you made. How about 13 batted passes in 2022 alone? That's That's crazy. And I'll give you two other guys who are going to be on the defensive line who are really good at that too, and I saw them a bunch, which is why I can say that. Ethan Burke and Colton Bosick, in two or three years of watching them, I can't tell you how many – batted balls like where they can read it they can read the tackle they can diagnose the play and the other thing I love about Simmons is that it's it's rare that you see most guys get up field they're working the edge and you're trying to collapse over here there were two or three times where he the quarterback did a good job read the pocket stepped up and then he came back and collapsed and that's you know that shows some football IQ and just feel for what's going on yeah, and those guys you talked about, those names you mentioned, that's the future of the defensive line room at Texas, right? I mean, Tavondre Sweat, he's a senior. He'll be gone after this year. Alfred Collins, he's a senior. He'll be gone after this year. But all of those other guys will be back in addition to those Westlake kids, in addition to Colin Simmons coming in. This defensive line room is going to be deep. And I'll give Sark and PK and this coaching staff a lot of credit. Hey, do you and I talked about it a lot when we were doing radio together it's uh, building through the trenches, man. Like, that's how you win yeah. in college football, especially in the SEC. Like, that's, that's to me where I noticed the biggest difference between watching the SEC and watching other conferences in college football. The, the big boys up front. I mean, those guys are just bigger and stronger on the lines of scrimmage than you see at any other conference. And you can really tell just how much easier that makes life for all the skill position guys around them. Sark realizes from his time coaching in the SEC – that you've got to have those big boys up front good to go to have any chance to be competitive in that league. There's no question. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's why I am bullish on Texas because their offensive line, especially this year, I think it's going to be the best offensive line they, they've had since 06. Um, been able to, you know, get to know some of those guys, work with them, and the diligence and really just the attention to detail to everything in their life to be a great offensive lineman has blown me away. But go back to the Arkansas game in Fayetteville, a couple of what, the blowout? Mm -hmm. And that was up front. Yep. Very good point. And depth up front, too, to where it got into the third quarter and it got got even worse, you know. Yeah, Hudson Card was like running for his life in that game, dude. And so was Casey Thompson, and that was a freaking disaster. And you're right. That was kind of a wake-up call, I think, to Sark. I'm sure he had a number of those during his first year. But it's like, oh, yeah, we don't have the personnel to be able to hang with them. And we're talking about Arkansas, right? Like, Arkansas has been fine, but they're obviously not the creme de la creme in the SEC. Like, you know it only goes up from there. 
if you can't hang with Arkansas up front, then you've got no shot against LSU and Georgia yes. and Alabama and hell, even AM to a lesser degree. But like you, you've got to have those guys ready to go to once again have any chance to actually be competitive in that league. Yeah, no, no, you're right. That was like facing the eighth best person in the new like weight class in boxing you went to. And they just whip the shit out of you and you're like, We, we there? Oh, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Was that yeah. you or me? Uh, probably me. I had an issue with the internet yesterday. I just got to get back up to Austin, man. It's as simple as that. That's going to get you everything really fixed. So are you going to be are you gonna be living the BK? Because you know how I live in Austin. People are like growing up here. Was Austin probably overall better? Actually, was it overall better in 1988? Yeah, but there's still a lot of good things here. But I don't go out a ton, so I don't worry about – I pick and choose my traffic. I still get hit with it, but I don't worry about a lot of the stuff maybe that's come here. You're going to be out and about, right? I I'm oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll still be a heifer hunting down there on 6th Street all the time. You know me. You know that'll oh, never yeah. change. Well, I work downtown, so um, you're going you're gonna to have some opportunities, brother. There we go. That's what I wanted to hear. I'm glad that part of Austin hasn't changed. That's, that's yeah. what I like to hear. And if you want a needle on the side of the street, there's one there for you. Very cool. I feel like I'll have options too, like plenty of different needles containing yep. plenty oh, of different yeah. things. So, yeah. oh my gosh, you're really hyping this up, man. You're making me more excited to get back there. I did go to Dirty Six for the uh, first time, like in a long, long time. I mean, I drive by it every day, but actually going there, I went to the mothership with Trey to go see Dave Smith. Yeah. And like just being down there, it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't apocalyptic like some people claim, but like it's definitely changed. I mean, definitely more head on the swivel than probably me walking around there in 99. Yep, it definitely is. And it's gotten worse and worse from that regard over the last few years. It's still fun. There's still some cool spots yeah. down there. But yeah. man, it's like it, it being down there Thursday through Saturday is just a shit show, man. And it, it gets pretty dangerous at times during those peak hours. Yeah, I mean, it has – the food in Austin's gotten so much better. And it wasn't bad back in the day. There just weren't many options. So pick and choose wherever you live. Hit on the positives and just stay away from the negatives, you know? Yep, there you go. That's well said. That's well said. All right, before we shift gears and keep the comments coming, we do appreciate the love. We've got Kevin Dunn in the building today. Make sure you all follow him on Twitter and on Instagram. And make sure you like this video and subscribe to this channel if you have not done so. We appreciate the support that we've gotten all week long during the inaugural week of Texas Sports Unfiltered. Quick shout out to some of our sponsors, Audio Visual Consultations. Our guy Tom McKay over there at AV Consultations, they do fantastic work. If you need to spruce up your home TV setup, they can do that. And make sure you get it done right now. Football season is right around the corner. Playoff baseball is upon us as well. Make sure you've got your TV setup done in the comfort of your own home with that custom TV hookup from our buddy Tom McKay and the crew at Audio Visual Consultations. 512-255-8678. That's 255-8678. Or check them out online at avconsultations.com. And another shout-out to Altstat Beer, my choice of beer anywhere in Texas. I've been drinking it. 
in H-Town over the last couple of years. I'll be drinking it in Austin when I move back up there for years to come. It's my choice of beer. It should be yours as well. They've got a number of different brews, something for every beer drinker out there, guaranteed to be perfect for whatever you have going on all summer long. You need a great beer to accompany these summer months. Make that beer. Altstat beer. No impurities. No regrets. Hey, one thing I do love that I was so late on Instagram. You like how I, I only thing I could get was 909. Yeah, what happened there? I was wondering where that came from. It was, I mean, I'm sure I didn't look into it too extensively. So that's one thing. But um, I mean, Kevin Dunn 01. 01 is for Billy Bates. Um, or you could say one testicle and a penis right next to it. There you go. Um, but even my Gmail is 646. I lived in New York City, loved it. Like, you know, that was available. 909 makes no sense. I don't even know what area code that is. I was going to say, is that like a birth? That's not your birthday. That's not an no, area code. It means nothing. What, the first 908 were taken? Like you tried all one through 908 <laughs> and that's the best one you got? It was only, I, like, I think I tried 01 or I tried like something like that. And I'm like, all right, what's available? Like I'm just stalking on this. Okay. You know, uh, I, you know, but now I'm going to use it. So people are like, Kevin done 909. Are you, uh, you going to keep the egghead? Are you going to change your uh, profile no, picture I'm gonna change there? All that. I'm going to change all that. Got to make sure that, you know, the humidities or the heat's not too bad here with my Irish JFK air, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's Floating cute. I, I have to get a good pick, maybe indoors, if I can find one. Oh man, no doubt. All right, let's uh, let's talk some NIL, man. You you sent me this story, so I kind of want to give you the floor here. But some craziness going on at Texas A and M. They tried to create something new with uh, an NIL initiative that they had started a few months ago, but the IRS decided to get involved and basically forced Texas A and M to shut down this NIL fund. Now the IRS released a memo back on June 9th, which basically told NIL collectives that, or basically told A and M's NIL collective that. Hey, you can't do this and still call yourself a 501c3. So anytime the IRS is getting involved, Kevin, uh, you know it's a big deal. And AM seemingly got popped and they have to change the way they were planning on going about their NIL program. Yeah, I mean, I would suggest everyone pay the parking ticket locally. But uh, when the feds or the IRS are coming after you, whatever it is, get it done. And the 501c3 you talk about, I mean, I think probably most of us know about that now it's nonprofit. So there are some people that use that as a nonprofit and still make some money off of it, but you got 87,000 new agents now. And obviously the NIL thing has a lot of exposure that uh, these are the guardrails that we were talking about with NIL. So if you're Texas, Texas A&M, one of these schools that's shelling out a bunch, then it's like, well, we don't want the guardrails to come too soon, right? But if you really like college football and care about, I don't know, fairness to any degree, I mean, we all knew that this Wild West, there had to be some guardrails. And this is one of the first ones that I think we see. I mean, you know, I'm not sure what Texas is doing is, is too much different. I think Texas, from what I can tell, probably was knew that stuff was going to at some point going to be fixed and try to already set it up to where you're not AM right now and you're trying to shuffle. AM will shuffle, they'll find a way, they've got smart lawyers, they'll find a way to still have an NIL deal. It just won't be 
maybe as flagrant or as obvious as this. Yeah, if you're kind of new to this story, the Aggies have had the 12th man fund forever. That's been a thing for a long, long time to help support their athletic programs on campus. But they created the 12th man plus fund, which attempted to reward donors with athletic department points and tax benefits in exchange for donations to provide that NIL compensation to those student athletes. And it made major ripples. They announced this thing back in February and the NCAA immediately, this shows you KD just how little power the NCAA has now. Like the NCAA right away was like, no, hell no. Like you can't do that. That's not okay. And AM is basically like F y'all like, no, we're yeah. going to keep doing this. You guys can't tell us what to do. Like AM basically dared the NCAA to actually do something instead of just sending a memo, asking them to stop. But then the IRS, like you said, that's a huge threat, and you can't ignore the IRS when they come knocking. You got to answer, and you got to get your shit together. Yeah, you better get together quickly. Yeah, no, I mean the NCAA was. You ever watch um, Dukes of Hazard? I know it's before your time, but you're an old soul. Seen, seen a few, not enough, but uh, yeah. know enough about the show. I think. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of us loved it growing up. It was one of those like Three's Company chips where I loved it growing up, and then watched it at 15, and I thought, ah. ah. This is not great writing, um, you know, I mean, where you get a little older, but it was still a fun show as a kid. And the, the Duke boys would just do whatever they wanted. And Roscoe and Enos, the cops, the local cops, couldn't do anything about it. They were flagrant in front of them, running away from them. Well, if you brought in the Mississippi State Police, then that may change things a little bit. And that's what the IRS is with this, where I think people are going to be a little bit more serious about it. But. I think I heard you and Trey talking about it. I mean, the NCAA is such a joke. I mean, heck, they, they're they actually getting tough now on not letting certain kids. I saw Jake Smith got denied at Arizona State. There was a kid that had a medical, a family medical issue, and they denied it. Um, it just, it makes, it's, there's no rhyme or reason. There is no real regulatory, like, sense to what they do, or at least fairness. And so... Yeah, I mean, the IRS or the government's going to have to jump in. And, and trust me, as a libertarian, I'm the last guy to usually call for the government to jump in anywhere. <laughs> quick uh, quick sidebar here. Jake Smith is still in college football? Jake Smith was at Arizona State, and he'd gotten, I guess, medically disqualified at USC, which you would think if another school qualified him, that, that would be a legit excuse, right? Yeah, yeah I want to play football. They're not letting me play football. I didn't do anything wrong. They're going to let me play. They've cleared me. And, yeah, he got denied. Ridiculous. Uh, the NCAA, they just pick and choose, right? I mean, we, we saw it with SMU, obviously with the death penalty. Like, they just randomly punish certain schools and certain players to make it look like they're actually doing something. But everybody knows they're not really doing something, and they're letting the big dogs kind of get away with whatever they want. Yeah, I think it's why a lot of us, you know, little guys, which is 99% of us, you know, look at politicians or famous people and they get breaks, you know, that doesn't match up if it's pretty much the same crime. Go back to Mike Cabongo. Who was the kid at USC who literally did the same thing? And I think they put him in timeout for like an hour and fed him. And Cabongo's out for like half the year. Yeah. You're the only one I know who would know that name, and I have no shot at it. So. Man, I don't know if I do either. It's going to hit me like in three hours, and I'm going to text right. you. You know, I'm just going to go live like during work <laughs> in Houston, and I'm just going to be like, hold on, guys, I got to do this, and then I'll make a video just telling you who that player was. But you're right. Yeah, there's just no consistency. 
with any of their decisions. But the IRS getting involved, like we said, that's a huge deal. And the 12th man fund, I mean, that's the biggest fundraising arm that Texas A&M has for their athletic department. So they just, they couldn't ignore a potential threat to the nonprofit status of that because look, tax benefits, that's a huge driver for donations. That's, that's why so many people look, a lot of people donate to these foundations because they love their school. They love their university and they want to see their program succeed. That all goes without saying, but a lot of it is the tax benefit status that you get. And A&M just wasn't willing to lose that for the 12th man fund because they were probably worried that they were going to lose a lot of the money that was coming in. No, I think you you hit the nail on the head with that. I know talking with certain Texas people and more alums that have donated um, that reward points, too, were a big part. And Texas didn't do that early on. They didn't do that early on because of that. It was one of those where, I mean, I think Notre Dame's way too far on the, well, let's not do anything in case, you know, there's – you know, retribution down the road. Well, you can't, I mean, you're not going to be, if, if it's legal three years later, you can't hammer someone for that. Right. If it was legal at the time. I mean, I know mm-hmm. we kind of do that with hall of fame voting in baseball, but A&M, I think was very aggressive. Texas was probably at that spot where they've been aggressive. So Texas has certainly, you know, spent their money, but the reward points to go with tax write-offs, I think were, were probably a big part of that. But yeah. I will say this, this is so bad. I mean, it, it's not so bad. I want, I'm all good with these kids getting paid, but why aren't the schools like more involved in that? I know they have to run, they have to run their athletic department, but this really is the worst part of society. Not the worst part, the worst part of like murderers and rapists, but the worst part of people, you know, that maybe have money and they're just in an arms race with their neighbor. And it's about, it's a, you know, keep up with the Joneses, it's kind of it's this materialistic um, impulse that we should all be teaching our kids. Hey, eventually it's OK to be materialistic at 12. At 25, you should be shifting away from that, even if you're making money. I'm not saying that having a nice watch or a nice car is makes you a bad person. But this is such an arms race in college football right now that it's. You have to rebuild stuff within one year, two years. I mean, the money's getting so high that to me, it's kind of, I mean, it resembles what I see with like super wealthy people that are just trying to constantly one up each other. It seems like 10 year olds. Mm. Yeah. Do you think the uh, NIL bubble is going to burst at some point? Like, is there going to be that one moment that happens to where, hey, we're actually going to have to change the way we've operated NIL through these first couple of years? That's a great question. I don't know if it's going to burst, um, but it's definitely going to change. I mean, you're going to have to adjust. And this is why I thought this story was interesting. This is one of the first adjustments. This is the, hey, guys, you know, you can't be running butt naked down the street at this party. It's like, all right, we'll keep it in the backyard. It's like, well, there, there's we're probably going to have a couple more rules as yeah. the night goes on, too, to where you also can't do that and you can't do that. And. That's probably not too cool. So I think it's the very beginning of that. I don't think it'll burst. Um, you know, college football, college football is by far the most popular college sport. I would argue that it's the second most popular sport in America. Yeah. Next to the NFL. I would too. They understand. I think they've also seen where college basketball has gone. So I may have been screaming, you know, fire, 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 like George Costanza in 94 when Kenny Anderson goes pro. And it wasn't <laughs> fire yet. 
and I was knocking over old women too. Um, but, but college basketball is drastically different now. And it's because you don't have the top 30 to 40 players and college football can't go through that. It's too big of a business. So we'll pay y'all. We've got to figure out a good way before you start going to Europe or if there is some XFL that tries to, to get involved. I mean, I think they understand that, that it could go away because other college sports have. Well said. Well said. All right, we'll uh, shift gears and talk some NFL football in a moment, speaking of the NFL. But before we do that, some love to our sponsors. KD, did you get uh, your Gatorade from 7-Eleven today? Oh, there so it is. I, I had someone text me. They were like, hey, dude, like 7-Eleven does good stuff, but you know, why don't you just grab it at Randall's or H-E-B? One, the price up here, it's pretty close to the same. And I don't get any deals at HUB or Randall's. And I go through these so much that I don't go to the grocery store. Like, I go maybe once a week. But, I mean, I go through these, you know, it's it's almost out of control, How much, like how much great Gatorade and strawberry Gatorade I drink. There you go. Well, they always keep it in stock for you at 7-Eleven. That's, that's the best. Yeah, 7-Eleven, they're your go-to convenience store for purple Gatorade, strawberry Gatorade, any flavor of Gatorade. They've got the Big Gulps. They've got the Slurpees. Of course, they've got the coffee in the morning as well. All of the snacks go to 7-Eleven to help you get through this summer wherever you are in the state of Texas. Definitely go see our guy Ashish at the uh, Monterey Oaks location down there in South Austin. Big-time listener of Texas Sports Unfiltered, big-time Longhorn fan, and a great dude as well. So shout-out to 7-Eleven for their sponsorship. And also shout-out to SyntexTickets.com for their partnership as well. If you need tickets, if all this Texas football conversation has you fired up and you're like, man, I'm buying into this team, I need tickets to go see my horns this year, go to SyntexTickets.com. They can hook you up. 100% guaranteed tickets to every Longhorn game. Hey, if you're an Aggie fan, they've got you covered. NFL games, MLB, NBA, it doesn't matter. Every sport plus concert tickets and tickets to Broadway shows as well. It's all there on site at CentexTickets.com. Hey, what Texas games are you going to this year? That's a good question. Um, man, I haven't decided yet. Like, I, I, I'm in talks with some buddies about going to Tuscaloosa for the Alabama game. If you but, go, let me know. I've got some Alabama connections that will help you out. Good to know. I will uh, absolutely take you up on that. So uh, I've actually worked with like four or five Alabama guys the last year. And um, I, I will say this, maybe maybe I was too pessimistic, but I've been blown away. And maybe it's just the guys we're working with. Um, but I've been blown away with how mature some of these guys are. So um, it's definitely at Texas where we've got a, a ton of guys. And well, I mean, I, Hell, I probably was not the model of maturity at 18 or 19, but like <laughs> these guys, you know, they'll text you at like 630 in the morning, like about certain business stuff. And I'm just like, Are you kidding me? Wow. Six, like, and like, well, I'm going to go get a workout in and then get this in and you talk to them. I mean, they, it just seems like the, these guys that really make it at the high D1 level. It's kind of like the NFL. They say there could be 6,000 guys who could play in the NFL, but it's about maturity professionalism, really understanding your trade, your craft, putting everything into it. And we're seeing, at least I'm seeing that at the college level too. So um, shout out. I certainly will be rooting for Texas, but if it's Isaiah Bond, Tyler Booker, a couple guys like that, I'll be, uh, I'll, I hope they, they show out well. 
I've heard some stories of 18 to 21 year old Kevin Dunn. And yeah, there's no way you were the model of, uh, of maturity at that age. I wasn't, but the funny thing was I was probably less mature 22 to 24. So I, I huh. talk about, you know, yeah, I, you know, a little bit of a dip, but I do say when you get to your mid to late twenties, that's when a lot of this, a lot of this stuff, you just got to cut. Right. I mean, you just got to, there's got to be a point there where it's like, you know what? Can't do that anymore. Can't do that anymore. Time to grow up to some degree. Uh, I need to do that. I'm 29 and I don't think I've had that moment yet. So that was kind of me telling you that without having to have an intervention. <laughs> There's my intervention publicly. This was our intervention in front of thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Oh man. Much appreciated. No, you're very mature. You actually, you're a lot more mature than, than you let on. I appreciate that. We're, That's we're working nice. on it. That's a nice backhanded compliment. Yeah. Yeah. That felt forced, but you know. We'll... No, it's not forced. I mean that. We'll take it. We'll take it. Uh, hey, have we'll, you seen Barbie yet? I have not. Have you? Of course not. Okay. No. Have you seen Oppenheimer? No, I don't know what Oppenheimer's about. I mean, I, it sounds like that if I had to watch one, I'd watch Oppenheimer. What's it about? Like World War II, some bomb or something like that? Yeah, the guy who uh, developed the atomic bomb. Yeah, no, you, I, that, yeah. That I was Barbie. Would, <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar enough with that, but I... But yeah, I mean, I would definitely watch that before, but people are like upset about Barbie, like, you know, ripping on masculinity and everything and toxic masculinity. What has every sitcom and commercial been for like 20 years? Mm -hmm. This is at least a doll, a dressed up doll who's hot and Margot Robbie, right? Yeah, I'm getting my movies confused. I thought it was Margot Robbie who uh, decided to drop the atomic bomb. <laughs> back in the day do i not have that right am i getting my commercials mixed up here uh if she did we would have taken a lot less shit man she's that hot <laughs> yeah everyone would have been cool with it like the rest yeah. of the world is like oh whatever she says whatever she wants yeah. to do she can well, drop an atom bomb it. yeah right. she can drop one on my country too i don't give it i don't give a shit margot robbie whatever did she do it in a low top that's my only question I think so. Yeah, it was a Dukes of Hazard look that uh, that she was rocking when she did it. So it worked uh, out. Da well. Daisy was Daisy was hot back in the day, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep the uh, keep the comments coming. By the way, you asked me about games that we'll be going to. Well, we'll have a pre and post game show on this channel for yeah. every Longhorn game this season. So uh, excited about that. We might even be on location for a few of those shows Whoa. during this season too. Yeah, we've got a few things in the works here at Texas Sports Unfiltered. So. Definitely subscribe and keep it locked in so you know everything that we have going on. Yeah, we want to be out amongst the people all year long. Talking with our Greg Eckert just texted me. Greg, we're getting you on board, man. The great. Getting, getting you on board. I'm calling you after this, all right? Yes, the great Dr. Eckert, man. One of the one of the best people he I is, know. He's one of he literally is one. He's become a good friend. He's one of the best guys you'll meet. He's a damn good dentist. Um, they've got a mouth guard right now that, that they've been working on that I think is going to completely change the game. And we talk about saving the game. Saving the game is concussions going to be a big part of that, you know, yep. and I think they've done a good job. In fact, I even saw a story that was thinking about doing the padded helmets all the way through, which I'd be okay with, but like, I, I need, I need the helmet. Like you can't have like the longhorn and like a black pad. over it. Right. You know? What are they going to do? Are they going to put the longhorn on the black pads? I, I guess. I don't know. And uh, Can they put the padding under the helmet? I don't know. Huh. I, don't, I mean, we're obviously heading that direction. You see it in practice. Yeah, yeah. You're right. At some point, we will definitely get there. 
Um, okay, NFL. You uh, you asked me a question before we got on the air today about Dak Prescott. I will uh, I will let you ask it again, and we can get into a debate on some quarterback play in the NFL. So I mean, look, it's the boring season for NFL people and for football people. So there's a lot of created stories. But I saw Orlovsky. I've seen some national people saying that Dak's thrown. He's in a new offense with McCarthy, right? Um, they just thrown a lot of picks and some bad picks in practice. And then they're extrapolating and saying, well, is he, you know, do his teammates trust him? A lot of stuff that does feel forced to try and get 44 minutes on the air. Right. And the yep. Cowboys got to be eight minutes of that. So what do we talk about? But then I've seen Dallas people on Twitter, people that I respect that cover the team say, nah, this is BS. They're just making this stuff up. Um, after last year, like, I do feel like Dak's in that weird – I don't want to call it purgatory because he's probably top tier two. I'm just curious. You watch so much football. You know football. You're a Cowboys fan. You're objective, which is why I want to ask you this. How good of a quarterback is Dak? Where, where would you put him heading into this year right now with the pantheon of other quarterbacks? Yeah, I'd put Dak in the back end of the top ten of quarterbacks in the NFL. Like he's not on Mahomes' level. He's not on Burrow or Allen or Rodgers' level. He's not where Jalen Hurts is right now. But I would say, yeah, anywhere from seven to nine is probably where Dak Prescott belongs right now. Now, last season, he was not a top 10 quarterback in football. He was number one in football in interceptions. Uh, It was a bad year for Dak Prescott. Cowboys obviously made some changes to personnel. They obviously let Kellen Moore go. He's now with the Chargers. So they're trying to mix things up to get Dak Prescott back on track. But I'd still say overall, based on his entire body of work and the success that he's had in this league, I would put him, once again, in that seven to nine range of quarterbacks. Can we agree one through three? Oh, can we agree on one, first of all? Mitch Trubisky? I, I I was waiting. I knew you had something. Come on here, you know. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. No, Pat Mahomes is one. I think yep. you can flip around two and three. I would, if I'm building a team right now, I take Joe Burrow too. Me too. You want to take Josh Allen too? That's fine. I mean, to me, Burrow, it's more diagnosing, recognizing. To me, it's how quickly do you see stuff as it's going on and how quickly do you anticipate? That yep. is is as long as everything else arm is close enough. Josh Allen is a freak running and throwing. I'll take Burrow too. I would too. And he's been to the Super Bowl. I know he didn't win that Super Bowl that he went to a couple of years ago against the Rams, but Josh Allen in the playoffs, some of it's not his fault. Obviously that, you know, 13 second game against the Chiefs where that game was just back and forth and both quarterbacks were putting up ridiculous play after play after play. Like That wasn't on him. He did enough to win that game against Kansas City. But still, there have been moments in Josh Allen's playoff career where he's come up a little bit short. Feels like to this point, Joe Burrow has been the better postseason quarterback. So that will be uh, my tiebreaker between the two right now. I'm with you on that. You put Herbert or Aaron Rodgers four. Where does Jalen Hurts rank for you? Just I know it's a one year, right? Like last year was his first year where he sort of entered that conversation, but he, he was the front runner for MVP before he went down with an injury. Is he is cause for me, like he's he's kind of maybe next in line on my list. Well, I'm gonna do that sports media deal where um, you know, I've gotten a lot of guys right in the draft. I've gotten a lot wrong. I got that one wrong. I did when Aaron Rodgers was taken, I did say that year he should be one one overall. He was taken twenty fourth, so Give myself a little love on that one. And Mahomes, I was all over. Hurts, I was not. 
And I just did not think that he was going to be this good of a player. Credit him, one. Credit the Eagles. So the sports media deal at this point is to go the other way and be like, I'll put Jalen Hurts three or four. No, I'm still going to have him six or seven. And, and, And if he does it again and continues to ascend, I'll continue to eat crow, which I already have. I've got no problem doing that. Um, but Hertz is, you know, he ran for like 1,400 yards, didn't he? Yeah. And was efficient with that offense. He had a lot of help around him. I, I would say if you look at Dak's numbers, Dak, his best QBR and his best just eyeball performance was when he had a stacked offensive line and really good receivers around him and a really good running back, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of this has to obviously go with the players you have around you. So I, I want to see Jalen Hurts when when he may not have that stacked team before I totally give him top five. Yeah, the Eagles still have a loaded roster, but they did lose a few guys from that NFC Championship team last year. So, uh, okay, I'll go Hurts four. What about you then? You said Rodgers and Herbert. Are those the two guys you're uh, deciding between for four or five? Yeah, I mean, I, I would take. I mean, I would look. Hurts had a better year than Herbert. I would take Herbert. Um, Rodgers is still up there. Obviously, for building a team, you don't take Rodgers. I get that. But then I think there's like this weird spot of Lamar Jackson. You know, actually, if you want to be honest, if we're building a team, number four, I take Trevor Lawrence, and then I take Herbert. Mm. Um, but Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson, I feel like they're all in that same area. And certainly Watson with Dak, where I'm like, dude, I've seen some years out of you where I'd put you top five. But going off recent performance, because we haven't seen Deshaun Watson be a top-tier quarterback since 2020. Right. But what if Deshaun Watson becomes anywhere close to where he was in 2020? He's probably on that top five list for us next year, right? Yeah, he was a top five quarterback when he was at the prime of his career. But like you said, it's been a few seasons since we've seen Deshaun do anything close to that. And last year, he was awful. Like the Browns were better with Jacoby Brissett in there than they were with Deshaun Watson after the suspension. So I don't know where to put him right now. Like part of me wonders if we're ever going to see the 2020 and 2019 version of Deshaun Watson ever again, or if like all the off the field stuff. It's just too much for him to overcome. And also the fact that he kind of took a couple of years off of football. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to uh, to be that same guy again. Yeah, it's actually that kind of middle ground, you know, um, of of these guys that – and I'd throw Tua in there because Tua is Tua's a guy who is, if you actually could have been top five quarterback if you look at certain metrics last year. I feel like no one's talking about this, and I get it because none of us want this to happen. Tua may be a concussion away from being done with the sport, right? Right. I mean, a lot of people thought he was done after his last concussion, and he even said it. He's like, man, I considered retirement after the last one. So yeah, he's, he's got to hit up Dr. Ecker, get that brain vault, man. Someone's knocking. This is what's great about live podcasting. Give me one sec, all right? <laughs> Oh, man, that is what's great about this thing. All right, I can roll for a little bit. Yeah, I'm a believer in Dak Prescott. I think he does have a bounce-back season this year for the Cowboys. And I think our guy CB has a great comment here, right? It's Big 12 or bust for the Longhorns in 2023. I think it's NFC Championship game or bust for the Cowboys this year. And, look, the NFC is a lot more wide open than uh, than the AFC is. So you feel like the Cowboys have a chance I don't know if you see this comment from CB. Like, I, I agree 100%, right? For the Longhorns, Big 12 or bust. 
for the Cowboys. They've got to get to the NFC title game and end that awful streak. Uh, otherwise, Mike McCarthy is losing his job and a couple of other people might too. Yeah, I, I'd feel more optimistic that Texas makes the Big 12 than Dallas makes the NFC championship game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, Dallas still is really damn good. I like what they've done defensively. I think they, you know, solidified the back end even more this year with Stephon Gilmore. And But I want to see what McCarthy looks like with that. I mean, it, it does seem like there's been a lot of talk or the narrative from Dallas has been, we're going to be very run heavy and, and protect and take care of Dak. Is that, is that fair or no? Because, I mean, I, I'm not trying to go Orlovsky here because I'm not, I'm not treating this as my ESPN gig where, you know, we got to get clicks. Although I hope we do. Yeah. I, I think it is fair, but I also think it's frustrating, right? Like I, I think the Cowboys have been too run heavy the last couple of years yeah, with Kellen Moore. I and now yeah. I hear that they're going to be even more run heavy. Like, I get it. I get you need a good run game to take the pressure off of a quarterback. But I don't want to be, you know, old school Big Ten style football where it's three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, that That can't be the offense in the NFL in 2023. You can't just be pounding the rock on every single first and ten. You can't be, oh, after an incomplete pass on a first and ten when you do throw it, oh, we have to run it on second and ten because the pass didn't work on first down. Like, no, you've got you've got to use Dak Prescott. Once again, he he is still one of the better quarterbacks in the sport. The Cowboys yeah. invested in Brandon Cooks. They've got C.D. Lamb. They took a tight end to the second round. They've got a few good tight ends on the roster right now. Tony Pollard's a good weapon in the passing game, too. Like, they've got to find a way. I didn't even mention Michael Gallup yet. Like, they, they can't be run heavy. So whenever I hear stuff like that, I don't think it's wrong. But I, I think it's wrong that they actually might do it, and that's what worries me about Mike McCarthy because that was the knock on him in Green Bay. It's like, dude, you've got Aaron freaking Rodgers as your quarterback, who obviously prime Rodgers is better than prime Dak, and it just felt like the Packers were trying to run too much at times up there. Now you're doing that here. I just I, I don't think it makes sense, and it makes even less sense now than it did a few years ago. Yeah, I agree. I, I wonder how much they – um you know, how much the leeway they'll give him with making checks at the line. I think Dak's pretty good at that. I mean, Dak's a cerebral guy. Um, so if you want to even compare him to Kyler or Murray and be like, well, which one's a better quarterback? I'll take the leadership and the stuff that Dak brings in the locker room if we feel like it's right around there. I think he's pretty good at making checks at the line. I think he's late on a lot of stuff, and a lot of throws, and just diagnosing stuff. And can you make an offense – can you also get more separation? Because the receivers have not got a ton of separation the last, certainly last year they did. Right. Yeah. That's why they went out and got Brandon Cooks. Gallup needs to have a better year than he did. It's his second year off of that major injury. Sometimes that helps, right? Sometimes for guys, it takes a year to kind of get comfortable being on the football field again. So hopefully we see more early career Michael Gallup than the guy who showed up last year. CD Lamb continues to be really good. And uh, yeah, now he needs he needs some help for sure. He's not one of those guys that could just put his team on his back and go out there and win a bunch of games. He's got to have a good supporting cast to go out there and help him. So uh, that's that's the hope this year, man. But we'll see. I, I'm with you. I think the Longhorns have a better chance to win the Big 12 this year than the Cowboys do to end their nearly three decade long curse of not getting to an NFC title game. All right, so we're close. He's in the back end of the top ten. And this year is going to mean could, could mean a lot whether he goes to six or drops to twelve, right? Yeah, and he could get paid. I mean, he's got two years left on his current contract, and if Dak goes out and balls out this season, then he'll get a new deal next off season. If not, 
the Cowboys might move on or they might just say, hey, you know, prove it. Last year of your deal, if you want a new deal here, you've got to go out there and play better. So big season for Dak, not only for the QB list, but also for his pocketbook as well. Yep, totally agree. Okay, couple uh, before we get to some baseball, I know there's a lot of MLB topics that KD wants to discuss here on the show. Uh, some more love to our sponsors, Relax the Back. I gotta, I gotta get to a Relax the Back store, man. When I get to Austin, I need to go in there and get me a nice chair for the uh, the studio setup that I'll be rocking. Trey's got the hookup. Bucky's got the hookup. You can get the hookup too if you've got back pain that you've been dealing with for a long time. Relax the Back has your solution. Massage chairs, ergonomic office chairs, recliners. They've got Tempur-Pedic mattresses. Just anything and everything that can help make your back pain a thing of the past. They've got it at Relax the Back. Two Austin area locations. One at 183 and 360 next to the Whole Foods. The other at the Hill Country Galleria down south. They've got stores all over the state as well. Go check them out and find out more at Relax the Back. Dot com And also some love to our buddy Brandon Mars over there at Top Gun Lawn and Equipment Rentals. Any job that you might have, they have the tools to help you get it done. And they've got all of the biggest brands for rental and for purchase as well. They are Austin's number one source for all of your equipment rental sales and supplies. And they've been that way since 1996. The biggest brands, the best selection, great prices as well and two Austin area locations, so it's convenient for you. They've got one in Anderson Square and one on South 1st Street. Go see them, topgun.net. They will shoot you straight. KD, MLB, what's top of mind for you? We've got the Rangers and Astros continuing to duke it out in the AL West. Some other big storylines from across the league. Where do you want to start today? Oh, I'm I'm just loving Major League Baseball right now. I am I am eating it up, and if you uh, if you like baseball and went away, come back and check it out. Although I, the numbers are all trending in the right direction, I'm not one of these people that it, I'm going to lose my shit if like you know the ratings are down a little bit. As long as it's on for the rest of my life, I don't care if I'm rooting for an unpopular sport or you know just make sure it's on. But getting coverage is really nice and. I watch as much as I can. I thought the Orioles Astros series was very, um, you know, it was impressive for the Orioles to come back the way they did, but the Astros to win that series and Kyle Tucker against Mount Batista, that at bat, balanced stuff off, you know, the one, two splitter, he threw a great splitter to get to one, one, I think. And then he spiked one. And at that point, Tucker was like, you know what? He may get me on a split. I'm sitting straight one-on-one fastball and I'm going to foul stuff off until he gets it in my zone. And he got it middle in low. And I mean, Tucker's one of the best players in the sport. So is Alvarez. The two best players on that team are Alvarez and Tucker. Tucker's got a big payday coming and there's a two in front of it. Maybe a three, Uh, like probably a two, but Kyle Tucker is that good of a player. Yeah, he's awesome, man. And Astros fans are hoping and praying that new GM Dana Brown can find a way to work out one of those long-term extensions during arbitration so he doesn't hit the open market. But it's going to be very pricey to get that done. And I don't think Kyle Tucker's hurting for money too much. I think he's just waiting to become a free agent so he can sign that. I think it is going to be a three. I think it's going to be a $300-plus million contract that uh, Kyle Tucker eventually signs. And he'll be 29 when he hits the market, KD, so he could get one yeah. of those 8, 9, 10, 11 year contracts from a team out there. The dude's a five-tool player. Like, really, he's yeah, good yeah. at everything. 
There aren't too many guys like him around Major League Baseball these days. He's a freaking monster. And, yeah, to do that against the best closer in baseball this season, that was pretty big time. It was big time. I mean, I, I kind of had that feeling after that series and not getting prisoner in the moment because, I mean, it's what, a three-game series, so it is what it is. But, like, that was cool to see them go up against each other. But, man, the Astros are still the team to beat. I know they're second in the division. They're the team to beat. I think so much really with the Rangers hinges on Nathan Evaldi. Good, apparently good stuff from him and Jonah Heim that their rehab's coming along well. I said, I think on Monday, and you know this as well as I do, when you hear forearm strain, way too often of the time, more times than not, that turns into Tommy John surgery. Um, just saw Max Freed come back with a forearm strain. He was also out for almost three months. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you know, can he come back? Can he be as good as he is? I was looking at his numbers earlier. You know, Evaldi's always had great stuff. This was a total outlier of a year for him, though. Last couple of years have been okay in Boston in some good ERAs. He's got a 4.03 ERA in 12 years in the big leagues. Wow. Like his even... Yeah. His wow. performance has never matched his talent, and it has this year. And so you get him. John Gray's been better than I thought. Um, Haney and Perez have kind of been what I thought, but obviously Max Scherzer. But if they're going to make a serious run at this, they got to have a ball. Yeah, 100%. Uh, they went out, like you said, and got Scherzer in Montgomery to uh, beef up yeah. the top of their rotation. But no, Valdi was pitching like an ace. I mean, hell, he was in the Cy Young conversation yeah. before he went down with injury this year. So. Uh, yeah, they need Nathan Avaldi. They need a lot of those guys back. I mean, you mentioned Jonah Heim, Josh Young, of course, at third base, who was the front runner for rookie of the year before his injury. It's pretty amazing, like both teams, right? The Rangers and the Astros, just the amount of injuries that they've sustained this year to great players. Like the Astros, you know, Jordan missed a couple of months. Altuve's missed a couple of months. Uh, three, three of their rotation starters have not pitched like at all this season. And boom, they're still one of the best teams in baseball. And I agree with you. For my money, they're still the favorites in the American League just because of what they have done over the last few years. It's impressive what they've done. And then the Rangers, like, they've been hit hard with injuries, especially lately uh, with, obviously, DeGrom early. But Avaldi and Haim and Young and Seegers missed a bunch of time on two separate occasions. Like, the fact that we're talking about two of the best teams in baseball despite the injuries that they've sustained, it's pretty damn impressive that this race at the top of the AOS has been as good as it has despite all of those deficiencies that these clubs have had to deal with this year. No, if you would have told me both those teams would have missed those guys for that amount of time, the Astros, I would have been like, hey, they're going to figure something out and still be in it. I thought the Rangers would have been a fun offensive team, still moving in the right direction, got a good farm system that you're building up. But I, I wouldn't have thought that the Rangers especially would have been in that spot. Hey, speaking of Seager, Seager has been – Look, I mean, Acuna, Freddie Freeman, obviously, Shohei. You can go through the list of guys that have played a bunch and have been the best players in, in the sport. Corey's been as good as anyone when he's played. Like, yeah. that guy is so smooth. His swing is, if you could teach a left-handed swing, short, compact, but he's got pop, uh, I, I can watch Corey Seager hit all day. I didn't realize he was this good, dude. I really didn't like. I know he put. I did. I, I was a big Seager guy. Man, like he I know he, all the shortstops. He put together some phenomenal years in L.A. 
And he was World Series MVP when the Dodgers won it in Arlington in that Fugazi COVID season in 2020. I always knew he was good, but just, I mean, to get to watch him almost every day, and it does feel like he's even taking his game to another level. Like, you're always worried, at least I'm always worried, when a guy gets that massive contract and it's all guaranteed money, that's it. I'm good. I'm set for life. I can take my foot off the gas a little bit. I can just be a solid player and whatever. That's good enough for me. Uh, He's upped his game since signing that mega contract with the Rangers last offseason. And, yeah, he's a joy to watch uh, at the plate with the glove. And you're right, smooth. That's a great word to use to describe him. Everything he does just looks so damn casual and so damn easy. Yeah, yeah, like you said, he has been really a top three to five hitter in baseball this year. The problem is he just doesn't qualify for all the stats because he's missed so much time. But when he's been on the field, you, you can count on one hand the amount of guys who have been as good as Corey Seager this year. By the way, just show the difference between how we treat athletes, and which is all good. If you're making $200 million, take some flack. But how we treat athletes compared to other people in any other industry, most people, if they were set for life and made money and said, you know what, I'm going to take some time back. I'm going to be in Colorado during the summer. Phone's on. I'll still help out when I can. I'm going to be in Europe during, you know, during this time. <laughs> you wouldn't look at them and be like, oh, so now you made your money and you're just being lazy. What a lazy piece of crap. You go, no, you have some balance in your life and, and good for you. And, yeah. and I'm glad you're still going to work part time and help us out with what you can. But in sports, like, you know, if you do that, we just automatically just crap on you. And obviously some guys, it's human nature to you're set for life to maybe not work as hard. I never thought of that before. That is dead on, man. That is dead on. And it's dangerous comparing sports to real life in so yeah. many different facets. That one's at the top of the list, and that's that's very well said, man. Like, it's, wow. Yep. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, good job. You made your money, and you're set, and you're doing your thing. It's all good. But in yeah. sports, it's like, oh, you made your money, so you, you, you better be better. You better work harder. You got to do more than what you were doing before. Yeah. Both our dads were probably in that spot where they, they did well, they succeeded. And, you know, I'm going to take, you know, my dad's, like, retirement was for the next three, four years, helped out a little bit, but would go in there dressed down at, you know, 10.30 with a latte and like, how you guys been doing? You've been here since seven, like Monday through Friday. You know, (laughs) I know your dad is still working and still doing his deal, but enjoying life a little bit more, you know, I mean, that's, that's natural. And by the way, we're all going to die pretty quickly. Yeah. That's, uh, that's how it goes. Relative time wise. It's pretty quick. All right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Any other, uh, we're coming up on an hour. We'll go for a few more minutes if you have time. Yeah, I have time. Do you have time? Got, got time. Got time. Nothing but it. Uh, any other uh, any baseball stories on the brain? What's been uh, what's been catching your eye around the league right now? All right, so we we kind of know that Philadelphia fans and you're, I'm sure Dallas, your Dallas is going to come out here, but I've got no dog in that fight. But Philadelphia fans have done some stuff over the years that just make you wonder if they're human beings. Fair? Yeah, the worst fan base in all the sports. Michael Irvin may be paralyzed. You're cheering. Santa Claus gets pelted by, by what, uh, snowballs, you know, mm-hmm. with probably some ice in there. By the way, the Philly fans have said that they, they claim there were members of the tribe who were doing that and that it wasn't mainly Philly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, yep. We, we're, <laughs> we're so upset that Hanukkah Harry didn't make an appearance. That, uh, <laughs> we had to take it out on Santa that day. Yeah, that's the real story. But they've done stuff, whether it's Sixers, Flyers, Eagles, Phillies. Like, I mean, they care about sports, so I'll give them that. 
So it's a good sports town that way. But it's definitely one of these East Coast, whoa, you may be taking this a little too seriously, booing a guy in his second game because he's 0 for 6, right? Well, Trey Turner has struggled. Trey Turner is my favorite guy to watch in pro baseball. I can watch that guy go from second and home. I've never, I've never enjoyed someone sliding as much as he does. Mm. Like, I, it, it's an art form and how yeah. he does it. He's got pop. He can fly. You know, he can do a lot of things. I thought that was a good signing for them, but he has not lived up to it this year, right? They go on a road trip. He's one for 27, one for 28. They come back. And I guess on the radio or online, they decided, you know what? Let's do something different for a change. Let's not key this guy's car. Let's go ahead and we're going to do something totally out of character for us that I don't think we've ever done. We're going to give him a standing up. What? Guy's been a chump. Guy's been a bust. No, we're going to give him a standing O. So they give him a standing O. He gets out of his slump a little bit. They continue to do that in the homestand, and it turns into this. I think we know that, Bob. Is it Gus? I couldn't tell. What is it first and second? Turner. And a high fly ball to deep left field. He answered their call. It's gone. A three-run home run for Trey. And the Phillies have just taken the lead. It's an 8-6 ball game. And this place is jumping for joy. Could this be the first one this year, Tom? The curtain call. Just thinking it should be. Just told him, go on out there. I didn't wow. see that one coming, BK. How about that? Yeah, very cool moment. You're right. Very out of character for Philly fans to actually be nice. But um, that was awesome. And he's been playing really well throughout this homestand. I mean, over the last seven games, he's got a seven-game hit streak. The yeah. OPS in that span is like over 1,100. I mean, he's been raking. So, yeah, that's sort of reverse psychology because, uh, you know, man, Trey, Trey Turner cares. These guys almost all care. They're passionate as hell. They don't want to suck, right? They want to be great. And it's, you know, it's been killing Trey Turner that he signed that mega deal. And in the first year of the contract, he's been a huge bust and he's been hearing it from everybody. Fans, probably some of his friends, family. Like it's It's been awful. And that stuff just follows you everywhere you go. So to get that type of support, that probably felt like a huge weight lifted off the shoulders of uh, Trey Turner. And he is uh, he's rewarded the fans for rewarding him. Very cool to see. Well, it's like any boss, parent. I mean, at the end of the day, you want your kid, your employee to be the best they can be, right? It helps you. It helps, it helps the team. It helps the family. It helps the company, whatever that is. Well, you got to find out the best way to get that out of them. And just shitting on people all the time isn't necessarily for most people the best way to try and it should at least try and assist and give them a push to get out of that funk. And more fan bases should probably do that. But to see Philly do it 
And also to see if you go back and watch that, the teammates, when he is getting the standing O, they're slapping, you know, uh, the dugout Castellanos, who got a lot of this last year after signing a big deal and was getting booed left and right. Um, you could tell he was loving it that, hey, we're all on this together. Like you said, we're all trying, you know. I'm not saying I need a standing O when I'm one for 28, but I don't need to, you know, get crapped on and feel like I can't go out to go get a Philly cheesesteak in the city. Yeah, I know I suck right now. All right. right. Like, I'm trying. I'm working on it. This is not helping. You guys just piling on top of me is not doing what I needed to do. So, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that they did that, and it's even cooler that it worked. And, yeah, I'm no Phillies fan, but I'm with you on Trey Turner. He is one of the most entertaining players to watch in all of baseball. Talk about Kyle Tugger being a five-tool guy. That's Trey Turner right there. Like, he just does everything at a really, really high level. One of the best all-around players in the game. Yeah, he had he had a, a home to first beating out a ground ball the other day that was the fourth or fifth fastest time down to first. He can, I mean, he can fly. That's the other thing. Quickly on Shohei, we talk about how great Shohei is, and I mean, we've never seen a player like this ever. Yeah. So, but Shohei can fly. Like Ellie De La Cruz, the shortstop at Cincinnati, who's six five, whatever he is, six six. He can fly. We got some guys now that. You watch them go first to third or first to home, like it, it's it's a little different than John Cruck getting around. Yeah, I think that was John Cruck on the call there, wasn't it? It was John Cruck, which is why I said that. Yeah. How about uh, as soon as the ball hit the bat in that he highlight we just played, he goes, "Yes, yes." He, he, knew, he knew he knew right away, and he was pumped. You could tell he was happy for Trey Turner, right? Like that was like, oh. a, "Yes, this is a go-ahead home run." That's you know late in the game and giving our team the lead, but also like, yes, thank God he did it. And what this fan base is doing right now is working. Yeah. John Krupp, maybe one of the best retirements of all time. So he's playing for the White Sox and he has one at bat, retires and says bye to everyone and gets in the car and leaves. And like in the third or fourth inning, and they asked him after like, why'd you leave? He's like, I got to beat traffic. I'm not going to hang around here. <laughs> So as a guy who's always trying to beat traffic like that, a soft spot in my heart. But um, one more Philly thing, because you and I aren't Philly guys, so this is not going to be a Philly uh, Philly podcast, but the Michael Lorenzen no-hitter. Did you see that? Yeah, we've got uh, the video of the final out. Watch his mom and his wife and tell me that no-hitters don't matter, especially solo no-hitters. Mm -hmm. The 3-2 pitch. Swung on, popped up, shallow center field. Rojas sprinting in, he's under it. He has space, makes the catch, and Michael Lorenzen has thrown the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history. He is being mobbed by his teammates as the Phillies shut out the Nationals 7-0. Like, if that doesn't pull at you a little bit, I can't cry anymore. Like, I'm, I'm a typical guy. You know, I talked about toxic masculinity earlier. Not that it's that, but sometimes we have problems when you know. It's like, man, I haven't cried, like, in seven years. There's probably something pent up there. The only thing that will get me is stuff like that. So I've realized now I've got to really take it to the next level. And I'll get, like, one little, you know, tear in my, in my eye, and I'm like, all right play this, play this, play this, get it out as much as you can. And that was one of those for me. That, that was pretty cool to watch.
Yeah, it was. It's hard to uh, not be romantic about baseball from time yeah. to time. And that was. And uh, also, let's give real, real Muto a huge shout out. So he didn't. He did not shake off JT once. It's the second time they've worked together. No way. Do you know what prep that was for JT Romuto to watch as much Michael Lorenzen with Detroit or where was he coming from before? Um, I guess it was Detroit, but some of the stops he's been at yeah. and to figure out he threw his change up more than he ever has. That's real Muto saying, dude, I'm telling you as a hitter, you should be working on your change up, throwing your change up more to go with the 95, 96. You've got some run. Um, so like that was, I think when you saw those two guys, it's the second time they've ever worked together. And Lorenzen didn't shake him off once. That's impressive. I did not realize that. Yeah, what a way to ingratiate yourself to that fan base, Michael. Yeah, Lorenzen, no hitter in the second start that he had. Yeah, great moment. No hitter still matter. And like you said, the solo no-nos, those are special, man. They're all cool. But, the, you know, it, nowadays when managers just don't let pitchers go over 100 pitches, it just it feels so rare that you get a guy even throw a complete game let alone have right. a chance at a no-hitter. So to go all nine innings and to do what Michael Lorenzen did, you're right. It's always been special, but nowadays, even more special. No, the solo no-hitter is so much more special to me than the combined no-hitter. Combined no-hitter is impressive, you know, but we've had four or five guys come in there. The impressive thing with that is one of them didn't have an off day, or if they did, they got out of it, right? Yep. But for Lorenzen, for one guy to do that, and I think you, you're right about that, it's more about – we barely see complete games now. So for Rob Thompson, he had to have an efficient eight because after seven Thompson, the Phillies manager said, we got you on a pitch count here and we've got more important stuff down the line. And Lorenzen, you know, knew he had to have an efficient eight. He did. And that's where Rob Thompson, there's still some old school managers out there. We said, get on out there. Now, if you would have walked a guy or given, uh, certainly given up a hit, you're out standing. O. You know, we appreciate yep. it. But he let him get out there and have a moment that this kid's dreamed of. I mean, kid, 31-year-old. I mean, Michael Lorenzen has watched every Nolan Ryan no-hitter, like, before all this. Like, he's always wanted to do this. He's been kind of a journeyman. I mean, he, they tried to hit and pitch. Just to show you how impressive Shohei is, by the way, or Brooks Kieschnick, or Michael Lorenzen, or what Brendan McKay is trying to do. He's got TJ now, so he's out for another year. But – to try and hit and pitch at that level. And I don't care if you are a pinch hitter and you hit 220 with six home runs and you got an ERA of four and you're a reliever. To do that at that level is so stupid and so ridiculous that what Shohei's doing, there can't be enough coverage of this guy. I'm with you 100%. All right, before we get out of here, got to give another shout out to one of our great sponsors, Woods Comfort systems celebrating 60 years of providing top quality plumbing and hvac services our friends at wood comfort systems are dedicated to keeping you comfortable in every season their goal continues to be to provide exceptional hvac and plumbing services all throughout the central texas area ac maintenance repair and installation ductwork, attic insulation and of course they have plumbing services as well telling you they want to make your home comfortable for you and your whole family. Check them out online at woodscomfortsystems.com or give them a call 512-842-5066. Woods Comfort Systems, where comfort is our middle name. I promise you I won't come in and do so much MLB, but the reality is it's August 11th. We're not there yet. We're going to talk so much college and pro football. 
we'll talk baseball. But at this point, you know, last night on ESPN or ESPN2, I saw Slam Ball on. Uh, hold on. Slam Ball's back? I, I, yeah, apparently it's back. I don't understand the rules on this. There's obviously no traveling. And I don't think the first guy can just jump up and dunk it. Because I saw guys jump on the trampoline. And I'm like, all right, flush it. Uh. And he's like giving it off, you know. Uh, Jason Kidd style to someone who fumbles it because he's not an athlete and he's jumping on a trampoline. Yep. Uh, but like, <laughs> there's nothing going on. So, you know, NBA jam style where, you know, the guy without the ball just jumps up super high until you finally pass it to him. He's on fire. Yep. That is it. That is it. Great stuff, KD. Thanks for hopping on, man. Bye guys. All right, that's going to do it for the first week of Texas Sports Unfiltered. Thank you all so much for watching. Please like this video. Please subscribe to this channel if you haven't yet. We'll put some content out this weekend too, so stay tuned for that. But the live lineup will be back on Monday. Until then, y'all stay safe, y'all stay healthy, and hook them.